0: The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I remember singing that in a prison. Um, I was a chaplain in a jail leading a Sunday morning service, and the inmates were given a choice as to what song they would like to sing. And that was one of them. And I was like, really? That song? Of all songs? But I tell you, it was amazing, because they just raised the roof off of that prison as they sung that song. And the Lord was just, the song just beamed across the whole of the jail. It was wonderful. So thank you for the, the song choices. And thank you, Tamsin, as well, for your message that you brought. The Lord is good. Just before we come around the word, would you just bow your heads with me? And let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we want to thank you that you are a good and a gracious God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that, Father, as your word tells us, That, Lord, that uh, through you all things were made and nothing was made that was made. That you are, Father, before all things, and in you all things hold together. And we thank you, Father, that the closer that we remain and abide with you, the more, Father, we find our lives being held, Lord, together by you, because you are the God who is holding the cosmos together, including our very lives and all that we are. And so, Father, we pray this morning. We thank you for the freedoms and the liberty that we have that we can gather as your children, as your people. And so, Father, I pray now, Lord, that as we remain in this atmosphere of worship with you, God, will you open hearts? Will you do open-heart surgery, Father, upon our hearts and our minds, God? Will you form us and conform us to become more and more, Lord, like your Son, And Lord Jesus, this day I pray that you will receive the glory that is due your name. In Jesus' name. And the saints said. Amen. Now a number of years ago, Becky and I were visiting Cornwall. And as we were, we stopped off at the nearby service stations to make use of the facilities as one does. And from the very moment that we walked in, there was this old boy who just stopped and began to gawk at us, and you know, and it was as if, like, it's like he's never seen someone like me before in his life. <laughs> and as we walk across this lobby, I could just see that his eyes are just following me, and I'm just thinking, is there something wrong? Like, am I wearing my T-shirt inside out or back to front? Or, like, what's with the stare? We get a little closer, and his eyes are still locked onto me. And it's at this point that I can just feel myself getting a little irritated to the point where I wanted to snap and say something along the lines of, Would you like to take a picture? It may last longer. <laughs> but I had to rein myself in because that was old behavior, and I'm not that person anymore. And besides, I could just see tomorrow's headline reading, Pastor Gets Into a Scuffle with a Local. I mean, it doesn't look very good now, does it? No. And perish the thought that I ever bring shame to my Father's name. Lord, have mercy. I mention that to say that if you're anything like me, then you also may find today's beatitude somewhat challenging. Because the old behavior just wants to come and creep back up on us. And if that's the case, then let me tell you that there is grace for you this morning. And so that said, would you please open up your Bibles and come with me to the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to continue on with our series entitled, "Blessed," And we're going to read from chapter 5 and verses 1 to 12. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others persecute you and revile you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. now as I've emphasized throughout this series all of the Beatitudes they flow from and follow on from the previous ones and so far we have looked at blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn and so today we will look at the third Beatitude, namely blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth now Before we go on, it is key that we set a couple of things straight right from the get-go. Firstly, the quality that Jesus calls blessed has nothing to do with how the dictionary or even some people, how they define this word meek, as in weakness or deficient in spirit or courage. Now... Even though this word may seem a little tricky to understand, however, one thing is for sure. And that is, it doesn't mean a person who has no backbone, no spirit, or guts. How can we be sure? For one plain reason. And that is, that in the scriptures... Both in the old and in the new, there are only two people who are ever described in this manner. And does anyone want to have a guess as to who they may be? Moses. Moses and? Jesus Jesus is always the answer when someone (laughs) asks up here. But you are right. Moses and Jesus. In Numbers 12.3, we read that the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. And as you know, Moses is the one who led the children of Israel out of slavery and out of Egypt on a mass exodus. And such an undertaking requires someone with a backbone, right? But Moses is described as meek. And so whatever meekness means, it cannot mean weakness. True? Yeah. What's more is that this term is also used of our Lord in Matthew 11:29, 29, where Jesus invites us to take up his easy yoke, for he is gentle and lowly, or meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so again, if both Moses and Jesus are referred to as meek, then this word cannot possibly mean what many have thought it to me, namely spineless, gutless, or even cowardly. Because that's certainly not the case for Moses, and it's definitely not the case for our Lord. Amen. Amen. Another thing that we need to get right from the get-go is that the promise that our Lord makes, namely that the meek shall inherit the earth, is a rock-solid promise that we can put our full weight onto. How? Because the meek one, singular, Christ himself, will one day inherit the earth. We can bank on it. How so? Because he made it. And he owns it. And it all belongs to him. In fact, Abraham Kuyper, the famous Dutch theologian, once said that there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is Lord and sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. That when Jesus returns, everything that he lays his hand upon, he will say, mine, because it all belongs to him. Praise God. Yes, the deeds to your home are in your name, but it belongs to him. Amen. Yes, the wealth on Fifth Avenue in Silicon Valley, Chelsea and Mayfair, though it be the playground of the rich, however, in reality, it all belongs to Jesus. Amen. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, it all belongs to him. Psalm 24, 1. And so at best, we are but stewards looking after the things that have been entrusted to us because when Jesus returns, it's a wrap. It's done. Amen. And so, if that's the case, if the earth belongs to the meek one, singular Christ himself, then it also means that it belongs to the meek ones, plural, as in those who are in Christ. Glory. So, now that we have established that meekness cannot mean weakness, what exactly does Jesus call blessed here? And what exactly is its quality? Well, as I mentioned earlier, it is a little tricky to understand, but it's the Greek term praes, and it essentially means mild and gentle or patient. And it was often used to describe soothing medicine, a gentle breeze, or even a tame animal. For instance, paracetamol used in the correct dosage alleviates pain and is helpful but take too much it is lethal a cool breeze on a hot summer's day, anyone remember those? (laughs) is soothing but a wind out of control like a hurricane is not good for our garden fences, trust me mine have blown off not once but twice this year a tame horse is useful for pulling a carriage but a wild stallion could be hazardous to your health. You get the picture. And so this quality of meekness, it speaks of power under control. Or as one scholar put it, blessed are the gentlemanly who have learned the art of keeping their cool and their composure and do not get riled or angry on a whim. The ancient philosopher Aristotle once said that the quality of meekness is to be desired. And he described it as the mean between anger and indifference as in it's the place right between excessive anger on the one hand and the inability of getting angry on the other. It is the happy median in between. Another scholar building upon that, he rendered the third beatitude as blessed is the one who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. (laughs) In other words, angered for the right reason and at the right time. Like when the poor and the marginalized or when women and children are abused and trafficked. One cannot remain stoic, but there is this sense of righteous anger that begins to rise up, is there not? And Paul's speaking of anger. He says, be angry, but do not sin. Ephesians 4, 26. And so to repeat, meekness is power under control. And if you're still not sure as to what this means exactly, then fret not, but thank God that Scripture interprets Scripture. And so in order to better understand this beatitude, come with me to the book of Psalms, and Psalm 37 in particular. Now, this psalm is possibly one of my faves. It's up there. And it's probably best known for that wonderful promise that we find in verse 4, which reads, delight yourselves in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart beautiful, isn't it? Now, as we read through this psalm, we arrive at verse 11 and when we do, we read these words where it says the meek shall inherit the land. Sound familiar? Now, is Jesus riffing off of or echoing Psalm 37 in his third beatitude? Most scholars seem to think that he is. In fact, one commentator said that there is no finer exposition on the third beatitude than the 37th psalm from which it is drawn. And so this psalm, it provides us with a fuller interpretation to the word meek. And let's dive in and take a look. Verse 9, evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. Verse 11, the meek shall inherit the land. Verse 22, those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land. Verse 29, the righteous shall inherit the land. Verse 34, wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. And so, all throughout this psalm, at various junctures, it seems to be stitched together by this repeated phrase, inherit the land or earth. Now, in this psalm, David is wrestling with the age-old problem of seeing the disobedient who have no fear of God prospering. I mean those who are self-seeking and self-serving, the dishonest and the deceitful who seem to be doing very well for themselves without God, more so than the godly. For instance, if a rich person has a scrape with the law, They are often able to buy the best lawyers or even to bribe a corrupt judge. And when they do, they seem to be getting away with murder. O.J. Simpson, case in point perhaps, or maybe controversial. (laughs) But if you or I were on trial for the same case, we would have gone down a long time ago and no questions asked. And so David is wrestling with this notion of injustice. But then, in the middle of this psalm, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he makes this startling claim, which Jesus later endorses with his own authority when he says, The meek shall inherit the land. That, contrary to all appearances, one day the meek will win. Hallelujah. And either side of this claim in verse 11, David captures and he begins to develop the nature of the meek. In that, the meek, they trust in the Lord and do good in the face of evil and they cultivate faithfulness verse 3 verse 4 they delight themselves in the Lord verse 5 they commit themselves to the Lord verse 7 they rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him so these are just some of the things that the meek do and in addition to this, there are also things that the meek do not do. In that, they do not fret because of evil doers, and neither are they envious, verse 1. They do not vent with anger, but they forsake wrath, verse 8. And they depart from evil, verse 27. And to break it down a little further, the meek, they trust in the Lord and do good. But when the wicked do evil, the meek say, regardless of how the world is walking, we will march to the beat of a different drum and we will put our trust in the Lord and do good, come what may. And they refuse to lie, or to cheat, or even to jockey for position, but they simply lean on the Lord. The meat, verse 4, delight themselves in the Lord, in that they adopt a different lens, and they take a different stance, in that instead of focusing upon the Temporal, the things that they do not have. Rather, they delight themselves in the living God. And this word delight, it is closely related to the word Eden. And so they find their Eden, their delight, and their joy in Yahweh. Or in the words of Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? The earth has nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail. However, God is the strength of my life and my portion forever and ever. Hallelujah. In other words, they redirect their affections towards God and in him they find their true north and their true shalom. And as they do, they are able to live within the tension of certainty and uncertainty. Oh, to live like that. Amen. The meek, verse 5. They commit their way to the Lord and they put their trust in. In him, And the word commit, it literally means to roll on or to roll it over to God. And as Stuart Briscoe puts it, he says the meek roll their lives, their careers and their reputations onto the Lord and they let him worry about it. He continues, the meek are those who when offended commit their wounded egos and the one offending their egos to the perfect judge. The meek can say to himself, what she did to me is wrong, but she is answerable to God. So I'll let God deal with her, but I'm answerable to God too. So I'm going to concentrate on doing the right thing. And the right thing may be to forgive or to confront or both. Either way, the meek, they roll it on and roll it over to God. Simple, right? But what does this actually look like in real terms? Well, it looks a lot like verse 7. Being still before the lord and waiting patiently for him and as johnson states in scripture waiting is never passive but it takes a lot of strength and focus and so it's more like waiting expectantly and scripture gives us a wonderful example of this through the imagery of an eagle That if you were to ever watch an eagle take flight in the wild, then you will note that there is a lot going on. And that they may just look static, sitting there, doing nothing while on the edge of a cliff. But if you were to zoom in a little, then you will see them waiting actively and expectantly. Every so often... They will twitch, and they will shuffle back and forth. They will open and close their wings as a test to see if it's time. And if it's not, they will wait. 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 And then as soon as the winds pick up and the thermals begin to rise... They spread their, their wings and effortlessly they take to the skies. And it is majestic and glorious to watch. It really is. I love it. In contrast, we are more like pigeons, flapping like crazy and going nowhere super fast, right? All because we failed to wait on the The Lord. Oh, to be like an eagle. That as we wait on the Lord, we renew our strength and we mount up on wings like eagles. Say it with me. We will run and not grow weary, and we will walk and we will not grow faint. Isaiah 40 31. Praise him. Back to verse 1. The meek do not fret. Literally, they don't get hot under the collar or stew over what someone just said or done. Rather, they acknowledge their bruised ego and they offer up their emotions to God. And as they do... He helps them process their inner world in a redemptive manner so that it doesn't come out sideways or even later on down the road. Finally, the meek do good in the face of evil, verse 27. In that they don't respond to evil with evil, but rather. They entrust themselves to a loving God. Amen. 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 Now, all of these qualities that we have just looked at from the 37th Psalm, we find them playing out in the life of Moses. Because when we are told that Moses was very meek in Numbers 12, the context is very telling and very insightful. In that, one day, Moses is challenged by his sister and brother, Miriam and Aaron. In that they tell him in no uncertain terms that we don't like the choice of your wife and we do not like the fact that Yahweh only speaks to you. In a word, they were jealous of little brother. And so they challenge him, not privately, but publicly in front of the entire community. And to do such a thing in that context, in an honor shame culture, is hugely disrespectful and shameful. So, what does Moses do? Retaliate and say stuff like, How dare you speak to me like that? Rather, he refuses to seethe with venom. And he refuses to judge their intentions along with their insolence, but instead he commits it or he rolls it over and rolls it on to God. Now, is Moses being spineless here, gutless? Not at all. Rather, he is showing great strength because he refuses to play tit-for-tat and he refuses to be an echo of the other person's words or spirit. But rather, he knows that he doesn't have to defend himself because his calling and his authority are from God. And he knows that God will vindicate him So all he needs to do is to get out of the way and entrust himself to God and let God deal with them. And he does. And you can read all about how Miriam is struck with leprosy and the like in Numbers chapter 12. We also see the Psalm 37 playing out in the life of our Lord, especially During his trial, in that he is insulted, he is spat upon, punched in the face repeatedly, and treated shamefully. He has a crown of thorns thrusted onto his head, and he is robed and he is mocked until he is eventually crucified on a wooden cross. And even though our Lord could have summoned 12 legions of angels to his rescue where even one would have been enough, yet he refuses to be an echo of their wicked behavior. But instead, he absorbs it all in his body and he takes all of the shame, the humiliation, and the injustice to himself. For us, for you, and for me. And so later on, reflecting on this, this scene, Peter says when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued to entrust himself to the one who judges justly. 1 Peter 2, 23. In other words, our Lord, he kept rolling it over and over on to the Father. And Roman soldiers, they knew power when they saw it. And the one standing at the foot of the cross, seeing how Jesus responds to all the wickedness that has been done against him, says, Truly, this was the Son of God. In other words, this is true power under control and that this is true meekness. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus what a glorious champion of our faith isn't he now as I've previously mentioned we cannot produce any of the beatitudes in and of ourselves I mean we can't wake up one morning and say I'm going to be a little meek today (laughs) we can't do it because meekness is the result of his gospel grabbing a hold of us and doing its work within us. Because when we encounter the Christ and when Jesus breathes upon us and he takes up residence within us, he infuses us with his life and his spirit. And we then inevitably Begin to take on his characteristics and traits. In fact, meekness and gentleness is also a fruit of the Holy Spirit, listed among the nine in Galatians 5. And so, even the Spirit Himself is working this quality into us so that we become more and more like our Lord. And Jesus calls this quality makarios, or blessed. Now, as we're going through the Beatitudes, are you seeing the picture that is being developed before you? Namely that of Beatitude people. Do you see that? But more than that, it is also a portrait of our Lord. And the more time that we spend with him, the more we become like him. And one of the things that we become is meek. Why? Because the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven has come near And those who have been arrested by his gospel recognize that in his life, death, and resurrection, somehow the old order and the old economy of doing things, of pushing, grabbing, demanding, is over. Or as John puts it, is passing away along with its desires. 1 John 2, 17. Praise him. Because in its place, a new order and a new way of doing things has come and is coming. That under Christ's rule, there will be no need to jostle or jockey for position or power. There will be no envying or jealousy, but there will be love and joy, peace and harmony all in abundance. It really will. And so, it really doesn't matter who's gawking at us at the service station or who has spoken an unkind word towards us. We don't have to rise to the bait because that's old behavior. And it's under the old economy and it is all passing away. And so instead, let us get into the practice of living as citizens under the new order today. That just like Moses and our Lord, let us continually entrust ourselves to him Because in the end, Jesus wins. And the saints will inherit the earth. Amen. Now, can I assume that we have all seen that classic musical Annie? Have we all seen it? If not, you should have done by now. So there are no spoiler alerts here. If you haven't, it's the story of a little orphan girl who has absolutely nothing apart from the rags on her back. But the moment that she is adopted by Daddy Warbucks, a wealthy tycoon, she gains everything. Likewise, the very moment we put our trust in Jesus, we are adopted by the Father. And everything that he has becomes ours. One day, we will live and we will play in his sprawling mansion made up of many rooms. And we will enjoy his garden-like, his Eden-like garden. And we will dwell before his loving gaze forever and ever. And so until then, if whenever you feel the old nature creeping up on you, just remember the words of our Lord when he said, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Let's pray. thank you Lord just want to give you a moment quite often we can very easily just hear something and just move on to the next thing and by the time we've moved on to that thing we forget what we've just received so in this moment Whatever may the Lord may have been ministering to you or speaking to you, just bring it before him. and Lay it on the altar of your mind. Whatever may have been stirred, whatever the Lord may be putting his finger on for us to look at, that now it's time to address blank. Whatever that blank in, you fill it in. Lay it before him. Father, we want to thank you that you, the sovereign Lord and King of glory, that you left your domain, your dominion, your palace, Lord God, and Father, you exchanged it for a wooden cross, for being mocked, for being insulted, for Lord, taking on all of our shame and humiliation, and Lord, you did that for us, you did it, Lord, as you came, Father, as your name suggests, it's Yahweh to the rescue, that Lord Jesus, you are the one who came for one such as I and us. And Father, we thank you for the work that you have begun within us. And we just lay before you those things that do not honor you, Lord God, in our lives. We lay them before you, Father. Lord, all of our attitudes, even our heart's desires, and all of those things, we place them at your feet. We thank you, God, that you Gave us your best, Lord. That you didn't send an angel to complete the mission. But, Lord, you came yourself. You were the word of the Father, um, begotten and not created, Lord. That you came and you took on flesh. You lived the perfect life and you died the perfect death, freeing us from the curse and bringing us to your own self. So, Father, I pray That as we continue on in our walk with you, Lord, will you cause your spirit, Lord, to work these qualities into us, God. That as your gospel, Lord, works and moves within us, that, Lord Jesus, you will fashion us, shape us, and become more and more like your son. Do it for your glory, Lord. Do it for your honor and your praise. In Jesus' name. Amen.